Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we are here to talk about all the things that went on in the Big Ten in Week 8. Well, almost all the things. We're going live a little bit early because this Michigan-Michigan State game, uh, it's over. Michigan State is winning 42 to nothing. Sorry, Michigan State. But uh, but we uh, we are going to still talk about the game, what we saw, those different kinds of things. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. I have Mike from Scarlet Nation 24-7. He covers, he covers football and wrestling for them. And I have Connor from Inside the Nest, Iowa fan. Uh, I'm sure that Connor will have a lot to say about the Iowa game when we get to that. But um, but if you didn't watch that game, it was a crazy, crazy ending. And uh, Connor will fee in. Before we do that, though, Mike, why don't you go ahead and tell people who you are, where uh, where they can find you at, uh, where, what you do, all that stuff. Okay. Thank you, JR. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Mike Abramitis. I live in northern New Jersey. I've been following Rutgers and college football itself for five decades. I've been around a while. I uh, played football myself. I uh, coached myself. I officiated for 15 years, and I've been a freelance writer for 10 or 15 years. Uh, The last couple of years, I've been a a freelance contributing writer to Scarlet Nation, which is under the umbrella of 24-7 sports, 24-7 sports being under the umbrella of CBS Sports. I also run a large um, private group on Facebook called New Jersey Football News and Forum, which is basically for uh, New Jersey high school football and New Jersey college football. So uh, I was asked to come on and I'd be happy to join you guys tonight. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mike. We appreciate you being here. Connor, why don't you tell people who you are and where they can find you? Yes, I'm Connor. I'm with Inside the Nest. We're a podcast that covers Iowa sports, um, mainly football and basketball. Um, unfortunately, we had to watch a devastating loss today, but uh, and I'm out here in Iowa City myself. Um, my buddy and I run this out of Columbus, Ohio, so it's a little interesting getting out here every, as much as we can, but unfortunately, yeah, we had to be on the uh, short end of the stick today, so I'm looking forward to talking about uh, hopefully some other games here. Hey, major props to you, man. Uh, I, I know not everybody would be willing to get on a podcast and talk about the game, uh, especially a game <laughs> like that, so props to you. Um, and we are brought to you by Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. You can find all of your Big Ten media needs there if you would like to learn more about them, bigbantersports.com. And if you are paying attention to this, please do like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on podcasts, please do give us a rating. We greatly appreciate it. All right, moving on. Let's go ahead. Let's just get Michigan, Michigan State out of the way. Uh, Michigan is currently up 42 to nothing. Michigan State's driving a little bit, but I don't I don't think Michigan starters are in. Kate Hauser's still in and most of the starters from Michigan State. So uh, Michigan, they're going to improve to 8-0, 5-0 in the conference. Michigan State, they're going to probably go down to 2-5, 0-4 in the conference. Uh, Connor, let's start with you, man. What are kind of some of your thoughts on this game? Man, it kind of just feels like another day, another J.J. McCarthy kind of just routine you know, performance. Like I'm honestly just box war looking right here and he's, he's out of his mind. So, you know, it just feels like the normal when, when they don't even have to get their run game involved, when you have guys like Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, I mean, they're a dangerous team and we've all known this all year, but I mean, 42 to nothing with a lot of, ta- like it, it just felt like it was child's play all game. And I mean that in the most respectful way. So yeah, I mean, when you talk about this game, it's hard to be 
respectful of what's going on with the Spartans. I mean, they came out hard and they came out obviously playing uh, for what they want to play for. It's not like they quit or anything like that, but it's just, it's not been a good game since Spartans. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I thought Michigan State would come out tough like they did last week. I saw Michigan State play Rutgers last week, and Michigan State actually had the lead at halftime and was leading in the middle of the third quarter. And then last week, as soon as they had a special teams breakdown, it just snowballed into three quick touchdowns for Rutgers and a win, and Michigan State pretty much just collapsed. Today it seems like they never even got off at all. Um, seems like they were dead coming out of the tunnel. Um, it seems to me they're just playing out the string right now. Even though they have a mathematical shot at a bowl game, it's uh, not looking likely at this point. No, certainly not. And and I will give Michigan State credit. Uh, I, I pulled up the box score as well. Blake Corum is averaging under four yards per carry, and I think his day is done. So they did do a pretty good job of stopping him. Uh, but Connor's right, man. It, it, it just really comes down to, to J.J. McCarthy. Four touchdown passes, 350 yards. Um, you know, I will give Michigan State some credit there that, you know, the defense came out to play. Uh, and I think Nathan Carter's a really good back. I just think you know, this offensive line was dominated by the Michigan defensive line. So, uh, you know, another day, another dominant win for Michigan. They look like the number one team in the country. I don't see how anybody's putting Georgia over them. Georgia's not looked that good. You can say Georgia won the past two and that's fine, but those are, those are years ago. Michigan's the best team in the country. I, I mean, what do you guys think? You guys think I'm wrong? I agree. I also think McCarthy's probably one of the top two or three leading contenders for the Heisman at this point. And we've still got a long ways to go, but if you're looking at a list, he's got to be near the top. For sure. What I agree with Connor? Mike, man. I think, I mean, when you look at the numbers, he's right there, man. He he does his job every single game. It's him and the guy with Washington right now. They're they're just game in and game out. They they do their job. I mean, well, used those to be numbers in are Indiana, ridiculous. by the way. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that wild? Wait, are they missing him or what? Right, right. <laughs> Other guy. Another guy used to be in Indiana is Heisman contender is Michael Penix. So, uh, yeah, kind of kind of tough for them. But all right, let's move on to the next big game of the uh, weekend. Probably the biggest game of the weekend, maybe in all of college football, but definitely in the Big Ten was uh, Penn State at Ohio State. Uh, Penn State fell twenty to twelve. Ohio State pr- improves to seven and zero. Penn, uh, and four and zero in the Big Ten. Penn State falls to six and one and three and one in the Big Ten. This was a heavyweight matchup. T- you know, two top three teams in the Big Ten really battling it out. And uh, Ohio State's defense played well, and Pitt State's defense played well too. It was a really, really big game, a defensive battle. Not many points scored. Mike, what were some of your thoughts on this one? You know what? Both teams had an aw- awesome defense. The difference was Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison had close to 190 yards. Um, receiving and a touchdown in a low-scoring game. His quarterback, um, McCoy, McCord. Uh, he's 22 for 39. He had a good percentage, whereas Penn State's Drew Allard really struggled. Bad time. I saw him in the post-game press conference, and he was literally just about close to tears. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State's third-down conversion rate was a – shockingly bad one for 16 Mm -hmm. so the offense just didn't do its job for Penn State and um and Ohio State did just enough to uh you know get that win and they covered their uh, the spread as well 
So yeah. things are not happy in Happy Valley tonight. Yeah, that's for sure. Connor, what do you think of this one, man? Uh, I got to give a quick shout out to my girlfriend, Simone. Her brother uh, did the Led Zeppelin cover at halftime for the Ohio State Band. So oh, nice. I just got to give my uh, flowers there. For sure. I think that's super dope. But no, I agree completely with what Mike said. I mean, when you look at uh, just being a box star, you know, a warrior here, you look at Drew Alar and 18 for 42, man, that's that's some Iowa-like numbers here. I can say that confidently as an Iowa fan. So it's just not it's not a beauty. Um, and, and he said it best as well. Marvin Harrison is, is the game maker. I mean, the game changer, sorry. At 162 yards in the air. I mean, the guy is just as reliable as it gets. And he, he just picked apart all game. And he proved that with 11 catches. I mean, you can only get open as much as he did. And I, I was madly impressed with as much as I saw from him. Unfortunately, I had to go into the Iowa game, and uh, I missed the very end of that game. But I yeah, saw it wasn't much. <laughs> yeah, the end of the game, they they stopped them in Ohio State. They had a missed field goal, so a little bit of points okay. not on the board there that they probably earned. But still, you had to make the field goal. So yeah, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. was definitely the difference, and I think Ohio State's defensive line really showed something this game too. Drew Lar, he was pressured a ton, um, and as much as I you know, want to give Ohio State secondary credit, which they do deserve a good amount of credit. There were a lot of batted down balls and things like that. But I can't imagine any quarterback can throw with those kind of conditions back there. JT Tuimolowau, Jack Sawyer, Caden um, Curry, I think it was his name. Uh, they they were all really getting after the quarterback. I thought it was going to be the interior of this defensive line that would really cause the pressure. But it was the defensive ends. Uh, and to their credit, the Penn State, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, they didn't have deep downfield threats. And when Penn State threw the ball short, I mean, the, the Ohio State, they swarmed to them. So uh, it was a really good defensive performance by Ohio State. I think Ohio State's biggest concern is definitely their offense because um, if you're not throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr., it's, it's not looking good right now. Kyle McCord was inaccurate, uh, even though he did – complete a lot of his passes. He was inaccurate. They're on their third string running back right now. Uh, well, Chip might be healthy. I don't know. But uh, number three, Mayan Williams, he was the one who was doing a lot of the running today. So uh, Ohio State, they need to get healthy. They need to get that offense flowing again. Um, but this this is not the Ohio State offense that we've seen the past two years. They don't have C.J. Stroud. They don't have Justin Fields. They don't have Dwayne Haskins. Um, this is this is one of the first times this actually, this is the first time in the Ryan day era where this is a defensive led football team. Um, and next I, week they travel to Wisconsin, which it won't be an easy place to play. And exactly. after coming off a of Penn state, win, they could have a little bit of a letdown, just like um, Iowa had a little bit of a wet letdown last week, beating Wisconsin. So. Right. For sure. And like Notre Dame had against. Uh, Thanks Mike. Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, Brian, just, Brian nah, Harrison, good. I'm not, kidding. Not have a good week. His yeah. um, goal of 25 points a game is looking not good. Hey, well, let's let's go I'm, ahead I'm and get into it. Iowa, Connor. Here, so so you fill us in. All right, Minnesota won 12 to 10. That is the most Iowa score of all Iowa scores I think that I've ever seen. 12 to 10. Actually, three to five might be more. That was South Dakota State last year. <laughs> um, no, that was seven. That was seven to three. We oh, had seven two to safeties three. That's and a field goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right, where it looked like Even it was better. a touchdown, but it was actually two safety. Right. Um, yeah, so Minnesota's four and three, two and two in the Big Ten. Iowa is now six and two, three and two in the Big Ten. Uh, Connor, what were your thoughts on this game? And also, if anybody didn't see it, go ahead and kind of explain the ending of what happened there before you give your thoughts. 
<laughs> so the ending of the game, I want to say there was about a, a minute and 40 left on the clock. And uh, we forced Minnesota into a punting situation. And being in the crowd, we were all yelling coop as loud as we could. And uh, we all kind of had like a slight feeling that he was going to do something. And he returns it. And it was the most electric feeling ever. I mean, we were all jumping up and down. And then we saw the officials come out and they said they were reviewing it. And um, they inevitably changed it to, uh, I think it was an illegal fair catch. I don't know the specific call, to be honest with you. But they took it back because they said he called a fair catch. And I can only give my my, uh, point of view. I I didn't see it. I don't see how... uh, you can call that a fair catch when I, I think we all know when people are waving their teammates off kind of thing versus a fair catch, but that's just me. Um, we lost that's fair and square. It is what it is, but I felt like it really did come down to that kind of play, you know? So, um, seeing as the officials got in the way it, uh, that's football for you. You know, what can you do? Yeah, for sure. And I'll attest, I did see the end of that game. I wasn't able to watch, most of the third quarter, but I did see most of the fourth quarter and the beginning of it. But uh, it did look like Cooper was more pointing at his players and kind of waving for his players. I, I never saw even saw the hand go above the head. Um, right. So to me, I was shocked. I was sitting there like, oh, my gosh, you literally just handcuffed Iowa's best offense, Cooper DeGene, on the punt return. Like, <laughs> the dude, I wouldn't be 100%. surprised if I looked – if I looked at the stats and saw that Cooper DeGene has more punt return yards than total offense yards in that game, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Um, so that that was a heartbreaker for sure. But, I mean, prop, like you said, props to Minnesota. They they played. They, they came out and they played well. Their defense is great, man. They, they fought hard and they brought the pressure all game. Deacon Hill had no idea how to handle it. And props to PJ Fleck for, for coaching them up right and bringing out the uh, the right squad today, the right game plan. I mean, they beat us fair and square. You, you can't argue that. It was it was a good game. Yeah, Joe Rossi really, really put it all together. Mike, do you have any thoughts from this game? Well, I was going back and forth. I thought Iowa had the game won. Then I turned in at the end and I said, well, how the heck did that happen? I didn't see the muff itself, but – I've seen three muffs in the last two weeks. Uh, two went in Rutgers' favor, and they capitalized and had touchdowns on both. And the other one, they gave up a touchdown on it. So I'm at the point now where if I'm a head coach and the, and the conditions aren't great, don't even try to catch the ball. Just let it bounce. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that Ohio State game had some special teams miscues as well. So it was it was overall just kind of a kind of a crazy game uh to see just what happened and really good defense being played i think athen kaliak manis only completed like two to like two different receivers or something like that like uh seven yeah man that was crazy yeah uh the the game what i was yelling the whole game too is just make this guy throw the ball because mm-hmm. they were running every play getting they were getting four yards of carry and props to them i mean they were running well but when I watched him throw the ball, it felt like every yard or every pass was about four yards short. I mean, I was just like, make this guy complete to receivers. And they had a lot of drops today too. So it was yeah. like, keep putting the pressure on. And hey, when it counted, they made they made the big catches. So shout out to them. Shout out Daniel Jackson. I mean, that dude had a day. And that dude is a stud receiver. He was the only receiver that had 
complete or reception. Uh, Darius Taylor had the other three. Daniel Jackson was targeted 13 times for seven receptions, 101 yards. Wow. Uh, and then Coy Crooms was next in targets. He had seven targets, no catches, no yards, obviously. Uh, just I, I, every week I watch Iowa and I think to myself, what is going to happen in this game that defies, you know, modern day football? Um, and, you know, we saw it. We saw it's just a wild offensive game and really good defense play. And that's the thing. Like Minnesota. Their defense was double- great today, man. It was Minnesota had nearly double, like seven yards off, nearly double as many yards as Iowa did, and it was still only a two point game. Like, yeah, just wild, absolutely wild. So, and in the first half, man, Caliak Manis only had what he had actually, I'm not gonna lie, he had eight yards passing. I thought we had the game locked up, ready to go. I was like, we might actually hold this guy to less passing yards than we had last week, right, against Wisconsin. So, I'll have to say, uh, yeah, no, we can move on. Uh, hopefully we can. Uh, shout out Minnesota. That was a good win. I'll take that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's move on to uh, Mike's team. Rutgers at Indiana. Rutgers wins this one 31 to 14. Rutgers is six and two bowl eligible. Greg Schiano has gotten them to their 12th bowl game in program history. His eighth bowl game with this program. They are two and two and or uh, three and two in the Big Ten. I apologize. Indiana is two and five and oh and four in the Big Ten. Uh, Mike, talk about the game, but also just let me know, like, Greg Shiano, what he has done for Rutgers is just outstanding. And what what does he kind of mean to the program and the fan base uh, and everybody over there? Well, Rutgers is the first college team to ever play a football game about 200 years ago or something crazy like that. And all those years, Shiano is probably their best coach ever. They hadn't gotten to a bowl where actually they when the COVID year when another team backed out and they only had five wins, but they didn't have six regular season wins since 2014, which was Rutgers first year in, in the big 10. So everybody in the state that follows football knew how important today's game was not only because they can get the sixth win, but the next four games, they were going to be decided underdogs against Ohio state Penn state, probably Iowa and Maryland as well. So they knew if they didn't get this win today, they could be on a five-game losing streak and not get that sixth win. So they came in very focused. And the strength of this team going uh, from the beginning of the season has been its defense and its running game. And sure enough, that those were the uh, winning uh, combinations again today. Their quarterback ran for close to 150 yards and three touchdowns. He's not the best passer in the, in the conference. He might be the best running quarterback in the conference. And Kyle Mananjai, who leads the Big Ten in rushing, also went over 100 yards today. So between the two of them, they had 260 yards rushing. That was the game. And Rutgers is really good with special teams. That's probably Shiano's um, known forte. And the last two weeks, they've had blocked punts that uh, they've scored into touchdowns. So um, they go on bye next week, and then the week after they come back and they'll be hosting Ohio State with a 6-2 and two record, and there should be a packed crowd at, uh, in Piscataway. 
For sure, yeah. If I was a Rutgers fan, I'd be there uh, for sure. Yeah, Gavin Wimsat, 5 of 12, only 39 yards. He was sacked once, but but like Mike said, he ran for nearly 150 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I think he had a rush. He had a big rush for like 80 yards in this game. Yeah. Um, on, a, on a fake handoff, he goes around the end and then cuts back over the middle. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, he's tall and lanky and with long legs. And it didn't look like he was running fast, but his legs are so long. They couldn't catch him. Way he goes. One of those guys that just glides, you know. Yeah, they got him from Kentucky. He was a four-star in Owensboro, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Rutgers hadn't recruited a four-star quarterback in quite a while, and they uh, went after him really hard. And um, it hasn't been a, a smooth uh, path for him so far. His passing has been erratic, uh, but he's young, and they knew if they stuck with him long enough, they could reap some rewards. And sure enough, six and two now, and uh, here we go. Yeah, for sure. Rutgers is one of those teams, you know, a lot of people complain about the transfer portal and I get it. You know, I, I, it's not my favorite thing either, but Rutgers is one of those teams that they have become more competitive and they've become better because of key players through the transfer portal. Uh, Flip Dixon being one of them who came from Minnesota, uh, really good safety for Rutgers. And, and he had a pretty good game today too. So uh, Connor, you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'm just amazed. It feels like Rutgers put up like Iowa like numbers on offense. When you look at the box score, like 39 passing yards, the leading receiver had 14 receiving yards, but the rushing game once again just gets it done. And I'm I'm wickedly impressed with how Rutgers' run game is. I mean, they've been just smoking everyone. No, I don't know the extent of their competition, but I, I know that they've been running the ball down everyone's throat. Yeah. They're running back. I'm not going to try. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Their left tackle, they recruited as a walk-on from a urban public school in, in New Jersey. He comes in at six foot six, 470 pounds. Cool. He can't play the first year. He can't play the second year. He's continually dieting and, and gaining strength and reshaping his body uh, for two or three years. All of a sudden, they start seeing some results at the end of last year. Now I'm looking at PFF. Um, Stats, he's probably one of the best left tackles now in in the league, in the conference, uh, looking at an NFL shot next year. Holland Holland Pierce. That's wildly impressive, man. I love stories like that, so I'll be rooting for him. Shout out. Yeah, Rutgers has a pretty underrated offensive line this season. They don't get talked about very much, but um, they really dominate a lot of those games. And that's where, you know, obviously Kyle Manunga is is an outstanding running back. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but uh, that's, that's how a lot of these uh, games have been able to have so many rushing yards is because he's got the holes and he's, and he's hitting them and he's, he's making his blockers look good. And his blockers are making him look good. So I'll give you a a, quick story about Manunga. When he was in high school, he was at Tom Bosco prep, which is one of the best high schools in the Northeast. His running mate, he was the inside runner. The outside runner was Jalen Berger. Jalen Berger becomes a four-star. Everybody's overlooking Kyle Manangai, who's a low three-star. Gets mm-hmm. one or two FBS offers, one from Rutgers and the other one, I think it was Temple possibly. Mm-hmm. So he takes the one from Rutgers, works hard, continues working hard. Now he's a feature back, and the four-star that used to be his running mate is a backup at Michigan State after having a decent first year at Wisconsin. 
Yeah, now he's leading the Big Ten in rushing yards. So, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy story. And that's what we love about college football, uh, the stories like that and, and seeing young men succeed and do a great job. So uh, props to Rutgers. Uh, just quick, quick few thoughts on Indiana. Um, I And I'm not trying to disparage you here, but I have no idea how Tom Allen is not fired yet. Uh, they fired their offensive coordinator a couple weeks ago. And if, you know, if you know anything about hiring coaches, the sooner you fire them, the better. Uh, and I almost feel like it's kind of good for Tom Allen to just let him go too, because if he keeps losing, it's just going to, you know, affect him trying to get a coordinator job or something like that. And I told people. Long discussion about Tom Allen with a couple guys today, actually. His yeah. buyout is $20 million until December of 24, and then mm-hmm. it goes down to $8 million. The thinking is, does Indiana stick it out for another year and save $12 million or – do they, you know, say the hell with it and do what Nebraska did last year when they fired Scott Frost and ate fifteen million? Indiana is not a football school like Nebraska is. They're a basketball mm-hmm. school, so so who knows what the hell they'll do? But I agree. I think they will probably fire him, but it's tempting to hold on to December of twenty four and wait till that buyout goes down from twenty million to eight million. For sure. That's what were you going to say there, point. Connor? You were look. You were pointing at yourself. Oh, I was just pointing like crazy because I'm just ready for what's next at Iowa. And you were like you were saying, the sooner you get rid of your coaches, the better. Um, I think we're looking, obviously, as we know, at the worst offense in college football. So I'm ready for what's next. So that's well, all I had to say. <laughs> I've always said that when coaches don't, you know, hang it up when it's time to do so, they they just I don't want to say they embarrass themselves, but and that's not the right way to say it, but they just, people lose thought of what they were and what they brought to the table. And I almost feel like Kirk Ferentz brought this upon him with his son, Brian Ferentz. Like people knew Iowa for good defense. Okay. Offense, but really good defense for a long time. And now, I mean, you know, I, every podcast I listen to Iowa comes up and it's just a laughing stock of the offense. Everybody respects the defense, but I mean, I don't know how you listen to it, Connor. It would it would frustrate me to no end. Uh, I just sometimes you got to accept the reality there. Um, I want to argue it, but there's nothing I can say that's wrong. I mean, they're right. Our our offense is a laughing stock, and I saw a little bit of signs of it getting better today in the first quarter, but immediately it just fell off again. So we're back to ground zero. We'll see what we can do, and hopefully. Uh, Hopefully we'll see some changes going into next year. That's all I can say. Hey, good news. You are tied at the top of the conference. So actually you're hey. not tied. You're winning because Wisconsin, you beat them. So uh, you're tied at the top of the Big Ten West. Shout out them for sneaking that win out. That there was huge. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and get on to Wisconsin at Illinois. Uh, kind of a thrilling ending here as well. Wisconsin wins 25-21. to 21. Wisconsin improves to 5-2 and two in their overall record, 3-1 and one in the Big Ten. Illinois is 3-5 and five and 1-4. and four. Um, I, I thought Illinois might have had this game at the beginning. Their defense was playing really well. well. They were up 14 to nothing. Um, Braden Locke didn't look very good Braylon Allen didn't have hardly any running room um it was a really good performance by Illinois and then Wisconsin just kind of found themselves and started playing like they should um and and it was a difficult game for Illinois to uh to hold it together as Wisconsin was driving and making good plays on offense Connor what were your thoughts with this one man like you were saying it just felt like it took a while for Wisconsin to really get going um 
all along it felt like they were the better team, even without their starting quarterback. Um, and I was kind of just falling. I didn't get to see the end of the game, unfortunately. Um, I was kind of just watching as I was at the game. But to see Wisconsin come out on top, I was really surprised. So it just felt like, you know, Wisconsin was a better team. They were they were lacking all game, all game, all game, all game. And then all of a sudden they came out on top. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just the way it looked from where I was sitting. Yeah, Wisconsin scored 17 point. No, sorry, 18 points in the fourth quarter alone to come back and beat Illinois. Uh, so they definitely had that fourth quarter comeback, really started it with a field goal at the start, and then they scored with 27 seconds left uh, to to win the game. So it was Ooh, kind of a crazy okay. ending. Uh, okay. Mike, what were your thoughts with this one? That game put me to sleep, honestly. <laughs> I found it switching over to Tennessee and Alabama. Even oh, yeah. though I'm a huge Big Ten fan, I'll be honest. Um, that one just did not do it for me. Yeah, it was definitely a rough game to watch there. Um, and the defensive games typically are a little bit more rough. Um, but, I mean, props to Illinois' defense. They played really well for most of the game. Um, like I said, that fourth quarter was kind of when they fell apart a little bit. Luke Altmeyer, um, he scrambled really well. He had just as many rushing yards as he did passing yards in this game, two touchdown passes. Um, so, you know, it's one of those games where it's like he did kind of what he was supposed to do to move the ball down the field. Um, but at the same time, 13, 13 for 21. Uh, Fagan, 24 for 97 and a touchdown. Um, so I wouldn't say it was bad. It was just one of those games where Wisconsin pulled it out there at the end. And uh you know, Illinois just couldn't put it together for the entire game. In, in, in fairness, neither could Wisconsin. Wisconsin just put it together at the end of the game. <laughs> what are Shout out Braden Locke. One of the intriguing storylines before the game started was Brett Bielema coaching against a team where, you know, he made his uh, mark, yep. Wisconsin. Yep. And in the beginning, for the first half, looks like, hey, I'm going to beat my old team, which probably has more talent um, with the new hot coach, mm-hmm. and Luke Fickle, and then he couldn't get it done. Yeah, and Brett Bielema left Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken, for Arkansas because Wisconsin wasn't willing to yeah, give him right. I don't some think he of the went right away. Of I think he was, What'd you say, Mike? I thought there was a one-year gap between Arkansas and uh, Wisconsin. Oh, was there one year? Uh, but I know a big part of why he left Wisconsin was because of the funding of his offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, and uh, it just wasn't there for what he wanted. Uh, so that's why he searched for a job down in the SEC where maybe they would get more funding. Now, in today's Big Ten, not really a problem. Plenty of money to fund everything <laughs> there. So, uh, But it definitely was a problem back then and, and hard for him to deal with. So um, I think Illinois is a better team than 3-5. and five. I think that they've had some, some snoozers here and there. But I think this team, if they put it all together for an entire game, um, they could beat just about anybody in the, in the Big Ten West. So You're not wrong. Shout out Brett Bielema, too. He's an Iowa Iowa alumni. There you go. Can't forget it. There you go. Bring him back, Connor? Yeah, I would not <laughs> mind that at all. I'll not lie to you. <laughs> he does put together some pretty good offenses when he has a running back who can do work. Like, uh, oh, what was the guy's name last year? Um, uh, Chase Brown. Chase Brown. So. Oh, yeah, Chase Brown was a stud. But, yeah, dude can put together put together a good team. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's get to this last game. Uh, Northwestern at Nebraska, another defensive battle. Just 
that's the Big Ten for you. Defensive battles almost every single game. Uh, Nebraska, Northwestern loses to Nebraska 17 to 9. Northwestern is 3 and 4, 1 and 3 in the Big Ten. Nebraska is 4 and 3, 2 and 2 in the Big Ten. Um, uh, not a lot of storylines in this game, not a lot happening, but I know uh, Northwestern did put it together a good defensive performance. Their offense just wasn't there as much, stalled out in a lot of ways. Um, Sullivan, Braden Sullivan, uh, Brendan Sullivan, I apologize, was sacked seven times. Um, so Nebraska was really able to get home a lot there. Um, and they really didn't try running it all that much. Um, just 39, well, I guess if you take the sacks out and stuff like that, what is that, 30 carries. Uh, so not bad, but still not not a ton there. So um, go ahead and, and uh, Mike, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, my thoughts are um, at the beginning of the game, they're telling us that Nebraska's making a switch at quarterback, and they're bringing in this kid <clears throat> with the a um, little bit of an unusual name, Heinrich Harburg, which sounds Harburg. like a skier <laughs> from Austria. Yeah, <laughs> more than a football player in the in the United States, and and he had a very inauspicious start. He throws two picks in the first two or three uh, series, but after that, he settles down and uh, starts moving the ball, and it's a typical ugly Big Ten defensive battle with few first downs and and uh, a lot of punts but you know Nebraska holds on and after losing their first couple of games they're now four and three overall with a, a real shot at making the bowl game and and as bad as the west is they're not out of the running for a western you know title run either for sure yeah Matt Rule has they, they started off a little rough with uh losses to Minnesota and Colorado to start this year uh but they looked better uh, and Harburg I don't know if Harburg is better than Jeff Sims but they've looked better with him in there he did throw two picks today so I don't think that he solves their turnover issue uh personally if Jeff Sims is healthy I go back to Jeff Sims I, I don't I know I don't like think him. I've ever seen a quarterback fumble as much as Sims yeah and, and that's definitely warranted um I, I think that Sims just has a bit more electricity to his game that's kind of the only way i can describe it um and harburg's a runner too you know he's 85 passing yards 72 rushing yards this game had a rushing touchdown so uh you know maybe that maybe the offensive staff is thinking they can both run they both aren't great passers harburg throws picks too but maybe he doesn't fumble um so and i don't think harburg did have a fumble in this game so uh well, loose yes. with the ball what were you going to say, Nebraska's Mike? Got, Nebraska has Purdue next week, and I think uh, you'll see Harburg again starting. Yeah, yeah, I think I you'll see him too. If he wasn't, yeah. Uh, Connor, what were your thoughts of this one, man? Uh, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. I've been uh, wildly impressed by Northwestern this year. I just feel like they've been exceeding everyone's expectations. Um, for them to even be three and four right now, I did not have that on my radar. And for them to be in this close of a game. It just it was impressive to me. Um, to me, it feels like Harburg or it, I don't even know how to say his name. I'm not gonna lie, it's but it feels Harburg. like he's their <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's their safety blanket, you know, at QB. I feel like he's like the uh, the Brock Purdy systematic kind of guy that you can throw out there and feel relatively comfortable with. Um, Sims, to your point, is way more electric, so I look forward to seeing what what he uh, brings and what kind of controversy he brings to that team. Um, but, you know, shout out Nebraska for pulling out another W today. I mean, they, they've impressed me. Their defense has been really, really good this year. Mm-hmm. One of the top in the, the Big Ten, if not the country. So, 
boring game, you know, like Mike right. was saying earlier about the other one. But hey, you know, seventeen to nine. That's that's what I as an Iowa fan, I gotta appreciate that. That's a W right there, and that's how you pull it out. I mean, we've got Northwestern as our next game after a bye, and it's at Wrigley Field, so that'll be cool. But right, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that'll be a cool one to watch for sure. So, yeah, Northwestern with three field goals today. Definitely an interesting one. So, all right, let's move on to our yeah. top three votes for Big Ten Coach of the Year. We've been trying to like highlight these awards at the end of each podcast because people like to hear them, and I think they're interesting. So I want to hear from you guys. If you were giving out the Coach of the Year award today, who would be kind of your top three candidates you would give that award out to? Connor, let's start with you. Number one for me, I got to go with uh, Greg Schiano with Rutgers. Shout out, Mike. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to uh, suck up here, but I gotta, I really gotta appreciate the job he's done going into this season. I can't remember specifically what I had their record at, but for them to be at six and two right now, I mean, at this point, he's got to be number one. Number two, I got to go with Mike Loxley. I mean, Maryland's kind of in the same boat for me. Um, they had a bye this week, so I can't say a whole lot about what they've been doing, but I've been impressed with them as a whole. And then number three, man, I would have said Kirk Ferentz, but after today, I can't roll with him. Um, I got to roll with Northwestern. Like I said, they've been impressing me all year. And for them to be, you know, competitive in every game like they have been, that, that says something to me. So, For sure, for sure. Uh, Mike, who would you go with? Well, I'm going to start out with the with the with the obvious, not Greg Shiano. He'll be my number two, but uh, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh fan, but I left him out on purpose. They're rolling. <laughs> Here's the number of information, and even though they're expecting nine, ten games, for me, they're exceeding expectations with the way they're winning. So I would give him number one. Number two, I'd give Greg Shiano. They're over under before the season started with four wins. We're only in game um, seven, and he's already at six wins. So hoping he gets to seven and eight wins, and um, that would be quite the jump. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think for my third coach, I'll agree with uh, – I, I was torn between uh, Luke Fickle and, and Loxley and Loxby. Um, well, he had a tough start at New Mexico. He was like three wins and 60 losses, something horrible like that. But mm-hmm. since he's come to Maryland, I mean, he got a great quarterback from Alabama and Tua. Uh, but they're improving their defense as well as their offense, and and they'll go to a decent bowl this game. I mean, they won't contend for the East title, but they'll go. They'll probably wind up at eight or nine wins and go to a very good bowl. Yeah, for sure. I think that you make some good points there, um, and I I don't really know what to do with Jim Harbaugh right now. Uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute because I'm sure you guys have thoughts, and and we'll uh, discuss those things because I do want to hear from a couple other Big Ten fans that. Uh, that aren't from Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State, <laughs> what your thoughts are, because I think we all know where they stand. But um, And as far as I'm concerned, I don't know if I'm going to let it affect how I'm ranking the coaches unless anything comes out for sure. Because right now it is still just allegations. It is still sources. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of smoke around it. But at the same time, like we've seen stuff like this happen before, where sources come out and say something, and then it ends up being – I'm not trying to be punny here, but a nothing burger. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, there there could be nothing here. Jim Harbaugh could just be the best coach in the Big Ten this year, doing a really, really good job, um, and all these allegations were false. So um, if, if I'm taking that into account, I have Jim Harbaugh number one. 
Uh, number two is Greg Schiano. I, I, I just think he is doing it again with Rutgers. I think that he's put together another good team. I think that he's the best coach in Rutgers history. Uh, and when you have the best coach in Rutgers history, having another good season, it's hard not to have him up there. Uh, and then my number three, it probably would have been Kirk Ferentz, uh, but I am, I am going to go with Mike Loxley. I just think that, you know, he is he again, it, man. He is again winning games. He was seven and five and he was eight and four last year. He still has a chance to go nine and three. It's not likely uh, he would have to take down either Penn State or Michigan to do that. But at the same time, they had a really good first half against Ohio State. So it's not completely out of the question. It's just not very likely. So, um, so all right, you guys go ahead. What are you just kind of some of your concise, and if we want to have a discussion about it, we can, but some of your concise thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh situation, that cheating allegations, uh, the coach being suspended with pay, all that kind of stuff. Connor, you want to go first? Sure. I think uh, I'll be short and sweet with this one because I am fairly ignorant to the uh, concept here. I'm not fully uh, aware, but what I can tell you is that Connor Stallions being suspended with pay just feels like, hey, like, hey, man, you're going to take the fall for us. So we don't get a uh, we don't lose our our top gun here with Jim Harbaugh. So Mm -hmm. That's just my feeling, and that's just complete speculation. I don't know anything, but something seems like it just seems off there. And I don't know. I heard Greg Schiano's like halftime interview, and that to me, I was like, he knows something's up too. You know what I mean? So again, I don't know a whole lot. I think you guys probably know a little bit more, so I'm not going to go too far into it. But I'm not a fan right now. I think yeah. something should be done. Hmm. Mike, what are your thoughts? Rutgers had a couple plays against Michigan when they played them that were blown up so quickly, so bizarrely that that's the only thing you could think of. They knew what was coming. Um, But does it happen elsewhere? Maybe, possibly. And if it's true, if it does happen, even if they get have a smoking gun, I don't think the NCAA will do anything anyway. If it was a small team, say Eastern Michigan, yeah, maybe, but not the University of Michigan. So, you know, True. It, it, it concerns me a bit, but I'm not going to you know, lose any sleep over because I don't think anything will happen. Yeah, it concerns me. And of course, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I'm trying to be objective here. All right. I'm trying to do my best to see both sides. Um, so I, I, I probably do have a hint of, of bias. I'll acknowledge that. But it seems to me like there's too much smoke for nothing to have happened. I'm not saying Jim Harbaugh knew about it. I'm not saying that, you know, he would, he planned out this mastermind thing, but it does seem like there's too much smoke for it to just be absolutely nothing. Um, I do think it's very possible. I was listening to a a coach on a pod, a former coach on a podcast, talk about how like sometimes staffs will just kind of operate on their own and the head coach won't know about it. Now people can, you know, say, oh, that's a coach's fault. You should have known about that. Um, but in reality, sometimes that can happen if they want to hide things from you and make sure you don't know. So it's entirely possible that, you know, this Connor Stallions did it by himself or maybe he did it with another coordinator or maybe with somebody else. I have no idea. But it, I, I do agree with you, Connor. I feel like this guy's kind of going to become the fall guy. I think they're going to try and push this on him as much as they can. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to know if Jim Harbaugh was involved or not um and we'll you know i'm just he gonna was, leave it but that. we'll never know that for certain 
<laughs> Again, I'll I'm trying it. to be objective here. I'm trying I'll to not be biased. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. Uh, out I got you. Um, but I will say this one and I'll, and I'll say something on Michigan side and I'll say something on Ohio state side. What on side one, it makes complete sense why the NCAA would dislike Jim Harbaugh and go after him so much. The dude kind of does his own thing. He's all for player revenue sharing. Um, you know, he is one of those guys that just kind of, I mean, even in San Francisco, like the higher ups had a harder, hard time with him there because he's a beat of his own drum kind of guy. And as much as he's, kind of quirky and weird and does his own thing. You can't fault a guy for being his own self. You know, I mean, he is who he is and he doesn't really care if anybody else thinks weirdly about it. So um, I do think that the NCAA like losing control of college football right now is almost using him as like a, Hey, get in line. We're going to, we're going to figure something out. Um, So I do think that there's a bit of that going on. And then the other thing that I'll say on Ohio state side is that if this did happen and if Jim Harbaugh was involved, it makes total and complete sense. Uh, There's jobs on the line there. If the if the reports are true that this started in 2021, when did Michigan start winning and going to the playoffs? 2021. You know, Michigan State, when did they start winning and beat Michigan in 2021? When they started taking their signals and taking them over to the to the team. And, uh, and running hurry up so that way the defense couldn't get set. And Kenneth Walker just went wild and crazy and ran all over that defense. Um, you know, why why have they not been able to beat Georgia or TCU? Um, you know, were they not – did they not think that TCU would make it and they didn't scout them? I have no idea. Um, but like you said, Connor, the dude was getting ready to lose his job. I think his plan from the beginning was get to Michigan – win a national title or at least bring this team back to relevance, get back to the NFL. And I don't think that his path back to the NFL has been as easy as he thought. Um, And he probably thought to himself, if I get fired at my alma mater, if I get fired at Michigan, who at the NFL is going to take me from here? You know, who's going to take me and and put me in there? So I I don't know. You can call me a conspiracy theorist if you want, but I think both sides make sense. Um, and I'm not saying that both sides are completely true, but I am saying that if both of those things are true, they make complete sense. Uh, Mike, am I off base? I think you're off base in the in in one aspect. I think if if Harbaugh wants to go to the NFL, I don't think he'll have any problem getting a job. Hmm. He was successful at San Francisco. His brother's extremely successful at Baltimore. He comes from a family. His father was a successful coach. Coaches in the NFL get recycled and fired all over the time. He's high profile. He's got a good offensive mind. I don't think he'll have any trouble at all getting That's a job if, if he wants to go. And I think he will if it, he comes down a little bit more. But I don't think it will. I think it'll be all bark and no bite from the NCAA, just like Bill Self in Kansas with uh, that, that situation there. I can't stay in Kansas. Uh, Connor, what do you think? Am I off base? Am I right? You agree with uh, Mike? What do you think? I think Mike is completely right. I think um, he's kind of earned his role now at this point where he could go back to the NFL if he really wanted to. I don't think he's really scared about that uh, that whole outcome. But I don't know, man. I, I look forward to seeing what comes out of this. I, I don't want to go too deep into it because, again, I'm, I'm fairly ignorant to it. So 
Right. I kind of just like, I want to see how this plays out. I, I think, think Jim Harbaugh anything. is a little bit of a snake. I don't think we'll hear anything more about it for another six months after the season. Well, wow. that sounds very likely too. And the, and I think you're right in, in that, Mike. I think that is true. The only pushback I would give against it is that I don't know if if there is enough evidence here. I don't know if the Big Ten and the NCAA are going to want to crown a Big Ten champion and a national championship national champion because let's face it, Michigan. You know they they are contending for the national championship more than they ever have uh, in the playoffs. So um, I don't think they'll want to crown them the champion and then have to go back and vacate wins. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not saying you're wrong because I think you're right, but it'll be very interesting to see, you know, how the Big Ten and the NCAA moves forward with this because I don't think they want that asterisk. I agree. So, all right. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for coming on and talking about the Big Ten. Appreciate it. Uh, congrats to you, Mike, and your Rutgers. Uh, Connor, sorry to you, man. Hope uh, hope things get better at Iowa. And I'm not going to say hey. I hope a guy loses his job, but I will just say that I, I hope what you need for this program to happen happens. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you. I think <laughs> you're right. We'll see what happens. Clark there in Iowa, so you got something to be happy about. You know you're right. He's a baller, man. There you go. Yeah, basketball season, women's basketball season, get here soon. So, hey, shout out women's wrestling. I'm wearing the wrestling program. I follow wrestling as closely as I do football. So I know how good the program Iowa has, and they just picked up AJ Ferrari, the national champ, two years ago. Love it, man. We'll have to chop it up sometime about about wrestling. Sorry. Yeah, we'll have to have a wrestling segment on the Big Ten Huddle. Oh, I love days. it, man. I, I love it. I it's love a it. niche sport. <laughs> it is. Uh, exactly. Exactly. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate you. Have a good night. See you later. Cheers. Nice. Good night.